Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with the double L team filling in for the M Factor. Mon while she is away, Lyle and Lawson, but this morning we also have Sven. Sven, glad to have you on The Breakfast Show today. I feel so energised by just listening to you Lyle. It's just amazing. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, it's because of The Breakfast Show. It's the yeah. Energetic part of the day. Everybody should be bright and awake, and uh, (laughs) yes, filling up on wheat bigs. Like roll out of bed. I'm like, don't get a radio. I wonder how many. Wild, not with loud. You are awake. That's right. See, if your alarm is set to Faith FM, do people still have those kind of radio alarm clocks these days? I don't know. I haven't seen one for donkey's years. You can get them on your smartphone. There you go. If your smartphone is set to wake up to Faith FM, then while you are rubbing the sleep out of your eyes, we are here full of energy. Yeah, we are. Because God is good. Ready to go. Uh, Life is good. We have been blessed. You are about to be blessed. And uh, yeah, ready to go with today's show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so by the way, um, we know this is going to be an amazing show. And the Mm -hmm. reason we know it is going to be an amazing show is because... It's delayed broadcast. It's the delayed broadcast. And if you want to hear the live show instead of being the Johnny Come Lately, what do you do? Well, what you want to do is you whip out your phone. Or mm-hmm. your computer, mm-hmm. or you know your, your your smart fridge, and you want to go your smart, your smart fridge, fridge. Okay. Yeah, smart well, fridge while you're What's, eating your wheat bix, as, um, as you do, as you do. <laughs> we all have one of those, whatever it may be, and you want to go to wherever you can search, wherever smart you can put in <laughs> a web address, and you want to write faithfm.com.au, and bam, there you go. You have live show. Live show. Of course, the other option is to uh, give us a call on one eight hundred three two four eight four three and find out what it would take to upgrade your transmitter uh, to be able to receive the live show. Mm. Maybe uh, send a donation our way, and uh, <laughs> you can have live radio right you. where you are. Sounds amazing. Absolutely. Okay, so coming up in today's show, Sven, what are you going to be talking about? We are talking about the question, who made God? And and that's in a pretty, pretty common question. We get yes. a lot from kids, but it's also a very deep question as well. Mm-hmm. So you definitely want to listen to that part okay, of our we show. Are, we're going to go in depth on who made God. We're also going to talk about a number of other stories that are in the news. Of course, the big one all across the news right now is uh, the, the, the summit held in the Vatican over the weekend dealing with child sex abuse. We're going to talk about that. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about the uh, the pill testing <laughs> again. Again, stir up some more controversy right there. So. And of course, we're going to have Mon on with us as well. Mon's with the report in. from she's been in prison. Oh, oh no! Awesome. She's been in prison in Kenya. Yes. What did she do? Um, she went in to help people. So. Anyway, just yeah, that'll be that will be amazing. Anyway, guys, stay tuned. That and so much more. We will be back right after this song. Well, early in the morning, about the break of day, I asked the Lord, help me find a way, help me find a way to the promised land. This lonely body needs a helping hand. I ask the Lord to help me, please find a way. When the new day is a dawn, about my prayer, I pray to the Lord, won't you lead me there? Won't you guide me safely? 
to the golden stairs. Would you let this body your burden share? I pray to the Lord, won't you leave me, please? Leave me there. When the judgment comes, find the world in shame. When the trumpet blows, won't you call my name? When the thunder rolls and the heavens rain, when the sun turns black, never shine again. When the trumpet blows, won't you call me, please, call my name? Welcome back, everybody. As always, we cross over to Africa, where Mon is busy in Kenya. Uh, Mon, great to have you on the program again this morning. Looking forward to your update. Oh, thanks, Lyle. Thanks, everyone. Going to have to keep it a little bit quiet today because I am sitting in a hotel uh, reception area and there's guests around me probably think I'm about to be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And you're, I apologize you're, you're if usually, it drops you're out usually, because it's raining. You're usually really weird anyway, Mon, so that's okay. It's true. It's true. I'm just compounding the issue. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what's been happening there in Kenya? Okay, Lyle, let me tell you a bit of a shocker. Um, so it's, it's almost like every time I get on here, I tell you something, you know, about some extreme poverty or some community living on a rubbish dump, but it doesn't seem like it could possibly get any worse. Um, but we did have a clinic um, just the other day at the Nakuru Women's Prison, uh, which was an experience in and of itself. Um, so thankfully, Kenya Health, the ministry that I'm here with, has a really great uh, relationship with the people who run the prison. Um, it's actually through the Adventist Church, would you believe, because a lot of the prison wardens are Adventist because of people who are doing ministry in these, in these prisons, um, and they often convert a lot of the prisoners as well. And then the prisoners themselves, um, like, from the prison um, prisoners, they, they often choose, you know, a few leaders who are trustworthy and then they get put into positions uh, of power within the prison itself and they're often <laughs> Adventists as well. So it ends up being almost like a little um, sort of a community of Christianity um, that is just flourishing and, and it's just ongoing. Like it's, it's sort of snowballing. Like you have one Christian in there who then, you know, starts to... Uh, um, witness to others and they all get converted. It's, it's, it's really quite beautiful, but at the same time, it's really stark and horrible about what happens in these prisons. Um, so it is a miracle in and of itself that we're allowed to go in there because it's very strict. Uh, you actually enter into a massive, massive complex and then I was really surprised at first because there's kids running around, there's little shops, little stalls, and I was like, what is this? But it turns out that's not the prison itself. It's just the um, the complex where the prison workers live and the families live. And then inside the massive complex is a much smaller, um, a bit more high-tech security uh, contained area where they actually keep the prisoners. Although when I say high-tech, it's high-tech Kenya, which is <laughs> nothing compared to Australia. I actually was having a laugh about it Um saying, oh, if, if, if you ever had to be in prison, a Kenyan prison would be the ideal because it seems so easy to, to bust out. <laughs> um, and then I found out that their main way of um, deterring prison break is, uh, is they just shoot you. They don't ask any questions, they just shoot you. And they don't use regular bullets, they use poisoned bullets. So if the bullet grazes you, you're still going to die. Um, oh, wow. So pretty intense. <laughs> 
yeah, tents in that in that regard. Um, and so we went in there, and we were able to set up a little clinic in one of the guard houses, and then we tried to churn through as many prisoners as we could. So there's about 400 women in there. The sad thing about the justice system in Kenya, and this really disgusts me, um, is is that it's linked strongly to the fact that they practice polygamy. And so one husband, many wives, um, of course, many jealousy issues. Sometimes the husband wants to get rid of a wife who won't let him have more wives. And the easiest thing to do is for a man to accuse a woman of something. And the woman has very little rights compared to the man. The man's word will always be taken over the woman's man, uh, word. And so there's actually a lot of injustice and a lot of women who are unfairly in prison. Um, so it's really sad. These women are like serving life sentences for something they didn't do just because their husband decided to move on to, you know, a younger model. Um, they do have a different... Uh, they have like a pretty interesting clothing system. Um, so unfortunately, they're not allowed to have any underwear, which is really horrible, especially, um, you know, that they can't have bras. And so there's a lot of sagging issues and a lot of back problems because of that. But um, they, they enforce that rule because they don't want women to hang themselves. Um, so that the regular prisoners, I want to call them, wear stripy sort of shift, like almost like a dress, just like a hank of a dress. And then women who are in there for murder or for life wear a grey tunic. And so actually um, you're actually able to differentiate to some degree uh, what they're in for. And so, I, you know, it was, it was a weird experience for me because the first time I ever met, knowingly met a murderer and shook hands with them and had a chat. And um, it's amazing, like, looking at their faces and seeing the differences. Like often the Christian ones have a light in their face and a light in their eyes. And then the ones that you chat to and they don't believe in God, like their eyes are just, they're so dark and shut off and their faces are just closed off to everything and just the difference in their countenance even though they're in prison is quite remarkable um some of the things we learned because we obviously wanted to bring them things we weren't allowed to bring them hardly anything um they don't get given toilet paper they don't get given soap uh, apparently they think that um, soap leads to homosexual activities and so they're not allowed to have soap because they don't want them to smell nice. So um, we were told that we might be able to bring in unscented soap to give to the ladies, but um, in the end we decided we better not risk it. And so we just brought a bunch of bananas. And so we just handed out bananas. And, of course, the prison wardens had to take their cut first. Actually, something else that was interesting at the same time is while on the same day that uh, we were going in there, um, there was a local hairdressing uh, college um, that once a year goes into the prison and just does free hair care. So they dye hair, they cut hair, they do wigs, they do braiding, um, washing. Washing is a huge issue for them because they, like they don't have many soaps or or shampoos, that kind of thing. Um, they do blow drying, they do just hairstyles, the whole gauntlet. And, uh, and so there was just scads of these uh, hairdressers, these young uh, student hairdressers that went in with us. And then all the women came out of the out of the cells and out of the little blocks, and they're all just <laughs> lined up just in between the blocks on the grass, you know, bent over. Someone's pouring a bucket of water over their head. They're having a full shampoo, and then there's someone's plugged in a head dry outside one of the blocks and they will just line up getting their hair blow dried and it was just incredible so it made us feel a little bit about the fact that we couldn't see all 400 people in one day because we simply didn't have the time and the capacity um, because those who missed out on medical um, treatment <laughs> managed to get a free hairdo in so 
it was incredible. We were actually, the funny thing was the prison wardens told us, no photos, no photos. <laughs> and then in the end, they were the ones who were posing the best for the pictures. They wanted us all to take their selfies and they were like strutting around in their green prison warden uniforms. It was really cute. Um, but it, it was just, yeah, it was just a mind-boggling experience. Mm. And um, so, so you were able to take some photos there. We, we do have some that we'll be able to post up on our social media at some stage. <laughs> yes. I have to double-check that we're allowed to because we, the last thing we want to do is get into trouble and then have the prison say, look, you can't come anymore because you broke the rules. Um, so I do have to check, but I do have a few pics here and there. Um mainly of me getting my hair done <laughs> because <laughs> they're so they're so hospitable. They wanted me to experience having my hair braided like a black woman's hair. And so they dragged me over and um one of the one of our local nurses, our Kenyan nurses, dragged me over and insisted that I get the experience and then all these women wanted to come over and have a turn at touching my white hair, my Mazungu hair, and so I had like hairdressers and prisoners coming over and playing with my hair. My hair has been quite the attraction in Kenya, I have to admit. Um <laughs> But I will double check and see what photos and videos we can put online. And if there's anything that I can, I will send it through for sure. Um, but it is just a small grassy area um, with just cement cell blocks in a grid and then a front gate. And it's just, it's very basic. Um, it's it's incredibly crude and primitive. And I just can't imagine what kind of life they must be living in there. You know, not even having toilet paper. I, even though a person might be a criminal, I do think to some extent we need to treat them like human beings and not like animals. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, um, yeah. Mon, we definitely do want to see those um, photographs of your African braids. How long do you intend to leave them in for? Well, the problem with Mizungu hair is they don't last very long. In fact, the moment you start sleeping on them, they're basically cooked. <laughs> so they, okay. did, they only lasted two days. But Lyle, I do want to tell all our listeners that they have to tune in tomorrow for my next Monrog because I'm going to tell you all about my brush with royalty and about my first Kenyan kiss. <laughs> that sounds interesting. I can't wait to hear that and one. And guess what? And guess what, Lyle? The two stories are related. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it seems that Mon may have had a kiss from an African prince. Well, who knows? We'll find out tomorrow. You'll have to stay tuned. But right now, we do need to move on with this morning's show. Thank you so much for joining us, Mon. And we'll be back uh, with some news right after this song break right now. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Are you me? following him do you know jesus do you know him are you receiving his spirit within within your heart within your mind there's a yearning you've denied a hunger you can't hide within your heart within your God who knows your heart And he's loved you from the start 
Guys, you're listening to Vocal Union with Do You Believe here on Faith FM. And as we get into the next section of our show, Lawson is going to bring us the first clue for the quiz, which yep. we missed. We always miss it when we go to Mon yep. in Africa, but yep. uh, that's because we um, need to do that. Anyway. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. You ready? 
I am ready. Okay, this is a Who Am I quiz. All right, yeah, and so. by the way, special welcome to Sven. Sven is joining us this morning, so um, he's going to be pitching in wherever, uh, wherever, he, uh, wherever he can. Anyway, first clue for the quiz. What do you got for us? All right. I told Zechariah that his son was never to take wine or fermented drink. Ooh, 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 you can see the gears turning. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, 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 okay. yep, 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 okay. Yep. Got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, nailed it. All right, so <laughs> if you know the answer, you get a prize. 1-800-324-843 is the number, or text us on 0491-064-669, and there'll be a prize coming your way. Can we SMS it in? Yes, you can SMS it in, uh, 0491 Absolutely. Okay. So, what are we going to talk about this first this morning, Lord? Oh, I don't know. You see, you just hyped up that there's so much stuff to there talk is, about. There is. I think we'll talk about uh, music festivals oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's press this button, seeing as it caused so much of a stir on social media. I had to end up. It got it got so out of control. I had to delete half of the conversation. Ooh, um, a bit people, of censorship. Oh, there was there was some there was some heat <laughs> on this one. But anyway, um, two music festivals in Sydney over the weekend. Uh, the Secret Garden one, they had uh, 25 arrested and seven ejected um, and one arrested for supply of drugs. Mm-hmm. Then you had the Ultra Music Festival in Parramatta mm-hmm. where uh, 66 people were removed, 35 refused entry, 45 arrested, 10 arrested for supply, which gives you... Uh, and that was out of um, 395 people who were tested. Yep. Out of 20,000. <laughs> so that's 40%. Yeah. 39%. Yeah, you know, it's near enough to 40%. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the question that's going through my mind is this. When you've got, you know, uh, 39, 40% of people who are attending music festivals are seeing this as an opportunity to use uh, drugs, mm-hmm. um, does this answer some of the question as to why the festival organizers are pushing so hard for pill testing? Mm. Because if you were to increase security and kick the drugs out, then that blows 40% of your... Um, audience away yeah fully. and you're gonna lose a lot of money yeah creates a financial incentive it, to have pill testing it, doesn't it? it 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 ultimately like it's just coming back to what is the culture of modern music festivals and obviously it's a one <coughs> that just promotes drug use like that's yeah, the and, you, know, you get to. young people just taking selfies of themselves as being loaded into the ambulance and and having a big brag about uh you know this, this is this is a, this is a culture that's that we need to be sending a message out there that these, there's no such thing. There is yeah. no such thing as a safe level of taking drugs. No, there's simple not. as that. Moving to India, we said we had a bunch of stories in Ooh, India. You go. have 150 people dead and a further 200 hospitalised from alcohol poisoning. Oh, I think I heard so about another, this. Another methanol, ethanol yeah, kind of uh, situation that was in the Assam state. Man, they struggle over there. They do, oh, it's so rough. And like, uh, there's a very simple solution to it. If you never touch the stuff, <laughs> you're never going to die I from feel, it. I feel like the principles, every single solution to these stories is just like, don't do it. What but do you need it for? I it, mean, seriously. It's it's so true. Like, just take some personal responsibility. Like, it's it's, it's, it's entirely unnecessary. And uh, there, you know, as uh, Lancet Medical Journal brought out last year, there is no safe level of alcohol use. Mm-hmm. You know, despite what your GP might say about a glass of wine every now and then, uh, the latest research says that there is no safe level. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, then, of course, the big news all over the news is the uh, Vatican Summit on uh, Child Sex Abuse, mm-hmm. which has been um, encouraging but 
you know, it's like one of these guys going to really, really tackle the hard issues. Okay, on the encouraging side, on the plus side, this is, yeah. a, this is a really good thing. The language changed this weekend. Yes. And rather than calling uh, child sex abuse a sin, for the first time they came out and called it a criminal offence. Okay. So that's an important change of language. Mm. Um, and very, very positive. Totally stand behind uh, Pope Francis on using that... Um, that kind of language to, um, and, and of course you're talking about prioritizing victims rather than prioritizing the church. So this mm-hmm. is a very, very positive moves. Um, on the on the flip side, of course, there's still no move on the two big issues that our royal commission highlighted, which was celibacy and confession. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, but 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 then flipping back to the other side on the positive, Pope Francis did point the finger fairly and squarely at the church. Wow. So this is a new one as well. So that's a that's 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 a that's a big move. Mm. Um, but stopped short of okay, called it a criminal offence, but stopped short of handing suspects over to the police. That's uh, on the other mm. side. Yeah. Um, of course, there was no actual policy that came out. There was a bunch of speeches that were made, and the two uh, action points were to create a guide to help bishops uh, around the world deal with, deal with these issues. So that's a, sort of a written guide how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And a task force, so when these kind of issues come up, they can you know go to the Vatican and uh, talk to the task force that is dealing with uh, issues in the Vatican who will be the experts on how to deal with all of these kind of uh, situations. Mm. So, yeah, interesting, interesting news coming out of the Vatican um, <coughs> in relationship to uh, child sex abuse. And, of course, we'd like to see a lot more changes, but I guess with an organisation of that size, it's a little bit like turning around an aircraft carrier. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, like, as well, like, on those changes, like, it's just, it's not a big enough step. But, you know, the thing I think about it is, is you've got a church here where there's a lot of power in the leader. Mm-hmm. You know, why doesn't he just step in and say, you know what, we're going to ditch celibacy and confession? I mean, half his church mm. would get up in arms and probably leave, but it would be the right thing to do. Exactly. But it's it would be the, gutsy. But, but that's the thing. It's like, you know, you've got a church that's so steeped in tradition, which is, it's funny that tradition, the tradition can change because they made it. But yeah, yeah, they have they have every freedom. To but you take it. the next step of like, oh, you know, we're going to, I mean, we have, we're going to bow down to the world, you know, but it's like, yes, like, the system is creating child sex abuse. This is like the worst yeah. thing ever. You need to stop. You yeah. need to wrap it up, boys. Like it's time time to stop. And this is the great thing about tradition. <laughs> um, tradition is, is is biblical. It is different from biblical, you know, imperatives. Tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, we we all have traditions. We have tradition in our church. 100%. But the great thing about tradition, if you look at it and go, okay, this one's a bit dodgy, you just change it. Yeah. You don't have to. You're not bound to it. You mm. just change it. Uh, anyway, what have we, we got a little bit more time here, so let's go to... Okay, let's have a bit of a rant on this one. Okay. Um, organ donation. So yeah. Here's my thoughts on organ oh, donation for okay. the day. Organ donation. I do not know why this is not an opt-out system. Australia should bring in an opt-out system for organ donation. Okay, so the interesting thing uh, is that okay. we have an opt-in system where you have to go online, you have to register to be an organ donor. Uh, okay, but seven yeah. families in just the ACT, so the ACT is pretty small, seven families have uh, overridden the uh, um, the will, this is the last 12 months, of, of their um, relatives to donate organs. So their relatives have died, they've registered as an organ donor and their families have stepped, stepped in and said, no, you're not taking their organs. 
Now I find this okay. So I'm going to be um, I'm going to be uh, culturally and religiously insensitive to some portions of the community right now, mm-hmm. but I find that incredibly selfish. Yeah. Now, if your religion and your you know culture says that you can't do that, then you should opt out. Mm-hmm. We all should be automatically across Australia. All Australians should be opted in automatically. Yeah. And yeah, if you fully. feel passionately enough about it, and this is your religious conviction, I I, I stand by people's yeah, ability, free, freedom, freedom of religion. Of religion yeah, yeah to, to have your religious convictions. Uh, but opt out rather than opt in. And mm-hmm. if somebody's got it in their will, if that is their last uh, desire was to have their organs donated, then uh, you shouldn't be allowed to change that. Mm, fully. You know, when a person dies, that, that should seal the will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're talking about examples of uh, one person who died from a skateboarding accident, um, hit his head on the ground and died as a result of that. And he was able to save five people's lives. Yeah, because of the donated organ. That's you know, and, and after they, uh, you know, they donated his heart to somebody and uh, the family was able to meet the person who's who had mm. received the heart. And, you know, they all lined up with a stethoscope to have a listen to his heart beating in this other person's chest. It'd be a very moving experience, wouldn't yeah. it? So, uh, yeah, that's my, uh, that's my rant for this morning. Um, if you're willing to have a second chance at life, you should be willing to give somebody else a second chance at mm. life. And uh, don't take your organs to heaven if you believe that's what happens, because heaven knows we need them here. It's a popular slogan, I know. But uh, anyway, this is Marley Defong.
That was Marlita Fong with Write Them On My Heart here on Faith FM. And Lawson, before we go to our interview of the day, another clue for the quiz. All right, you ready? You yes. ready to go? So this is a Who Am I ready quiz. Ready to go. We know this already. This guy already came to Ze- Zechariah mm-hmm. um, and he spoke to Zechariah. Mm-hmm. But here we go. I spoke with Daniel. Okay. Oh, Spoke to Zechariah and Daniel. And Daniel. This is a long-lived individual. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's yeah, that's like, a, that's a lived for a long time. So yeah, if you know who that is, give ah, us a call. Ah, but which Zechariah? Oh, that, that's there what you're going to have. Of well, the, the one that to... he said, the Zechariah whose son was never to drink wine or fermented drink. Mm, there you go. So there you go. Give us a call, 1-800-324-843. If you know the answer, you will get a prize, of course. Okay, joining us in the studio this morning is Dr. Sven Oestring. Uh Sven, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Lyle. It's good to be here again. Yeah, fantastic. Now, um, I you got my, you, my name right. I was so impressed. <laughs> that's because that's because I, I you've I, been practicing. I write, I write the phonetic version into the calendar. Ah, you I see, see that way. See. That way, whenever I, I I don't think of you with the, uh, the other name anymore. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's my technique for getting names right. Fantastic. Well so, done. So, um, you're not Dr. Cheezel this morning. Oh, well, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll run with that for today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Lawson's looking at me like, what on what, earth? What on are you talking about? Well, <laughs> yes. So we'll have in, to explain. Uh, in, uh, in, 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 in the, the Australian spelling of your name is Ostring. Ostring, yes. Which in yes. Sweden means... Well, Ost means cheese. So if you say Sven Ostring, it means Sven Cheese Ring. So there's the cheese ring. <laughs> so, so I'm just saying, no, I'm not going for Ostring. I'm going for the Swedish Ostring. You know, Doctor Cheezel is so good. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about um, the important subject this morning. So uh, Doctor Sven Ostring um, is a uh, an, an apologist, and today we're going to raise the subject of who made God. Now I think this is a really good question because mm-hmm. everything that exists comes from somewhere, comes from something. There is a cause for everything that exists. If you look at the brick wall out there, that brick wall out there is there because somebody came along and put those bricks on top of each other. So who made God? Well, it's a very, very good question. And it's it's a question that I often get asked when I talk to kids. In fact, I was uh, driving uh, home one day with my four-year-old son. Um, and uh, he was just asking me all these questions like, you know, who made the rainbow? Who made the trees? Who made the horses? You know, all of those kind of things. And, and I always had the answer, well, Jesus did. And, um, oh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not a Christian, you might say God did. Um, uh, but, you know, the fascinating thing is he stopped for a minute and then he said to me, well, who made God? And I was, you know, I thought this is amazing this, for a four-year-old guy. This is where your kids get revenge on you. They do. They when, do. When, they, when it's like, yes, they have, in, they have inherited their father's inquiring mind and intelligence and now they're going to be challenging you for the rest of your life. <laughs> but the, the interesting thing is it's not just a question that kids ask mm. as well because uh, you might know of the really famous best-selling book, uh, The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. And in that book, he, 
he rants and he raves and and it's a bit of a bit of a sort of um, a kind of journey through through nothingness almost but you know right at the middle of it he says you know this is the biggest argument against God ask the question who made God and it's it's amazing so so you're absolutely right this is a very very important question so the issue here is that if we are to ask the question who made God and if we think that there's an answer, that there's another person that made God, then we shouldn't be calling God God. We should be calling the person who made God God. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm. And who made that other person? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so what happens is that as you as you start to ask that question, you go back and you go back and you go back and back, and it, it goes until this never ending kind of chain, as they call it, infinite regression, going back forever and ever. And the point is this, is that you and I exist here today, um, which means that that chain has to stop somewhere. Aristotle, um, that famous Greek philosopher, he said, you know, when you go back in, in time, well, sort of time, yeah, but also in, in the processes of things, then you must come back to a uncaused cause. And, and that is who we call God. That, that is one of the, the qualities of God. That's one of his mm. properties, shall I say, um, amongst a whole lot of other things as well. And so, so that is why when we go back to God, he didn't have a creator. He is, is uncaused. That, that's the very property of God. And in, in fact, it's, it's actually irrational to, to ask the question, who made God? What it means is that you don't understand, or we haven't quite clarified, I should say, what we're defining as God. So the very definition of God, one of the qualities of God is that he was uncaused, he was uncreated. And that's one of the qualities, as well as many others, that he's morally perfect, he's eternal, and um, so many of those other things as well. Could, could an atheist argue that the Big Bang is an uncaused cause? Is that possible? Uh, th- certainly, atheists do uh, argue that the universe was uncaused or is uncaused. But then if you do that, then you're saying that, um, that it's all right to say something is uncaused. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so you can't say, well, you can't argue against God being uncaused, but then hold that the universe is uncaused. So the atheist in himself is being sort of, he's, he's not playing fairly, if you know what I mean. He, he's asking, forcing Christians or, or people who believe in God to ask that question, but that he's not doing it himself for the universe. Mm. Yep. Good. I so, like that. Yeah, so it's, it's a very, very important thing. Now, the other interesting thing is this, is that what we find in the Bible is that the Bible actually says that Jesus is that person. So if you come with me in the Bible uh, to, to John chapter 1, verse 3, talking about Jesus, uh, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. What it's saying is that Jesus is outside the category, or it's outside the box, shall I say, of things which were created. He created everything. Nothing that was created was not made without him. He is uncreated, which is truly amazing. So it actually leads us to the fact that Jesus is God himself. And, and you might be asking, well, 
um, being uncaused and and being eternal. Uh, you know how can how can that be? You know we all we all have a beginning and an end. We all have a we all have a mother and a father. You know there's something caused the the thunder and the lightning and and the, the storm, so to speak. But the fact is, there's there are some things which can be eternal. Let let me ask you this question. You know the the mathematical. Um, equation one plus one equals two uh, would that have been true even if the universe hadn't have ever existed I would say so it would yes so I, it's a it's a simple fact it's a reality it's a reality yes so so we can have mathematical realities mathematical truth mathematical facts which would exist for eternity whether or not the universe exists whether or not you exist um, so in the same way God can exist for all eternity as well. God can exist uncaused. And that is one of the main reasons why we worship God. Uh, amongst a whole lot of other ones as well, that God is love. He's morally perfect. You know, this is an amazing person we're talking about. Not someone who comes into existence and then goes out of existence, but someone who is always there for you. Okay, so a an atheist, both. So, 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 just, just, just getting my head around this because this is a pretty deep subject right here. So, both the atheist and the Christian find an uncaused cause as the origin of uh, the universe. The difference. Yeah, you were going to clarify something. No, go, go, go yeah. ahead. The difference that I'm seeing is that one finds an intelligent uncaused cause and the other finds an unintelligent uncaused cause. Would that be a, a fair summary, do you think? Uh, because the Big Bang, they're saying, okay, that's an uncaused cause. Well, no, there is a difference here, and that is both philosophically and scientifically, uh, we see that the universe came into existence. Mm-hmm. So the universe is not eternal. Mm-hmm. So something that comes into existence uh, must have a cause. That that's the experience that we all um, experience in yeah, life. Yeah, everybody agrees on that. Yeah. So so the fact is this: is that the the universe itself needs a cause by the very fact that it hasn't always existed. Uh, with the second law of thermodynamics, it's it's basically slowly winding up, uh, which points to the fact it hasn't always been there. It also points to the fact that the universe, if it goes on the way it always has been for, for many thousands of years, it's kind of winding up, dying down, uh, running out of energy. So this means that the, the universe can't have existed for all eternity. And, and so this points to the fact that we do need a, a cause for the universe. So this is where the, the atheist gets it wrong with the universe. Uh, but for God, God isn't winding up. He, he's all-powerful. He, he's always been there. He's, he's, um, that's who God is. And so for, for God, we can say, yes, he's uncaused. For the universe, we, we run into some very big problems here. Mm, that's interesting. Now, if, okay, so if the universe is running down, it's running out of energy, and say we look at our sun, for instance, and our sun is running down, and running down and running out of energy, does that mean that when God created it, he created it with a uh, use-by date? No, not necessarily when he first created it, because if you go back to the beginning of Genesis, which describes how God created uh, everything, including the sun, including this earth, it it says at every point um, during that creation week, he says it was good, it was good and very good. It was, it was perfect. And he had the plan that it would last forever. 
And of course, what happens in the world in which we live is that things do run out because they are disconnected from God in a way. Um, it's like you've got a laptop, you've got a battery in there, but if you pull uh, the electrical cable out, if you pull the adapter out, it's slowly going to run out. And so that's when we look at the universe, God originally created perfect. Originally, he was going to provide that ongoing energy source right throughout eternity. And so that's when you come to the book of Revelation, uh, you come to this beautiful truth that God is going to create a new heavens and a new earth, and in that new heavens and new earth, there's going to be no more death. Uh, so if you choose to accept Jesus as your savior, mm. uh, you can live forever because uh, God is going to continually renew and supply the power, the energy, the life that you need. And I just want to, I just want to say that um, if, if this is something that you have never experienced in your life, accepting Jesus Christ, do so now. It's the simplest thing Absolutely. in the world to do. Um, just, just go to Jesus and say, look, I want to give myself to you. I want you to forgive me of my sins and, and, and make me one of your disciples, one of your followers. Absolutely. And you will experience something that you have never experienced before. Mm. You know, that's, that, that's the greatest, most life-changing experience that a person can ever have. Now, just um, you know, talking about the new earth, one of the things that I find significant about the new earth is where the Bible says it has no need of the sun because it has, you know, it, it, it you know it, it is now post sin; sin no longer exists, and so it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need the sun to be, you know, winding down and so forth and running out of energy because God is there as the continual source of power. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it is very interesting. We'll go back to the beginning as well for that, because we're kind of jumping from the beginning to the end, which is really cool. If you go to the beginning of the book of Genesis, it says, God said, let there be light. Very well-known, majestic kind of statement. And the fact is that many people have puzzled about that, and they've said, well, in Genesis it says God made light on the first day of the creation week, but then um, on day four, that's when he created the sun. And what that tells us is this, is that God is not dependent on the sun to give us light. He can and warmth and energy absolutely and life absolutely and and you know people who have a real kind of scientific bent that they'll go like well that just doesn't make sense but I say it does make a lot of sense because I mean have you ever played with one of those fluorescent um, uh, sticks the light sticks mm-hmm. you know it's a really dark night you crack that stick and boom there's there's light so what that's saying to to you and I is that you can have sources of light. Other than the sun, we, we're not actually dependent. Yeah, we, we are super familiar with that in the modern age, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. So the fact is, this is when you go to the end of the Bible when it says that we have no need of the sun because the Lamb is is our light. We we can we can trust that that is true. It's it makes sense, and and God is that continual source of of energy, continual source of power, um, both in terms from a physical light point of view, but also from a um, a spiritual point of view in terms of giving us that joy and, and love and, and peace that we need as well. That's fantastic. Sven, thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. With uh, yeah, We look forward to, as we go through this year, to have more deep conversations. Absolutely. Um, on uh, you know, questions of origin and where we came from and why we're here and where we're going to and you know, the big questions of life and to answer some of the questions that are often asked by you know, non-believers uh, that, that are out there in the world, I guess. And, it's and, good and to be here. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And Sven, of course, will join us for the rest of the show today. But right now we have Carter and Carter with somebody bigger than you and I.
Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18, Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02-4994-3220 or simply email raynomads at adventist.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Pastor BJ, and I'd like to invite you to join us at Bunbury Seventh-day Adventist Church. 
we are a vibrant church community that meets every Sabbath at 9.30am for Bible study, followed by a worship service at 11am. There are a number of groups that meet throughout the week where we eat, share and study the Bible together, including groups for families and young people. For more information, please contact me on 0422-896-553. That's 0422-896-553.